This is Warrior Talk, your weekly information and inspirational business podcast, brought to you every single week by the community of entrepreneurs at freeenterprisewarriors.com. Hi, I'm Matt Hayes. And I'm Dave Jenks. And this is the February edition of Ask Dave. Dave Jenks, always a pleasure to have you, sir. Good to be on, Matt. You at home, you get to ask Dave questions. You get to pick his brain and come up with the topics that we do once a month during our podcast. You can uh, get all the information on how you can submit your question here at the end of the show. But let's get right into the great information this month. Email this month comes from Christine Myers. She's in St. Louis, Missouri. Dave, she's worried a lot right now, especially with the way the economy is, things shifting, things changing, about expenses and keeping track of what works and what doesn't work. And I think a lot of us, especially when you're starting a new venture and even those that have been around for many, many years, as we have to tighten up, we worry about every single penny to save and to use as much as we can. Is there really any easy way to go through this process to make sure that we're on the right track, to make sure that we're taking advantage of every penny that we can? Well, there is, Matt. I don't know if easy would be the word, but there certainly is a straightforward and simple way. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. In these big questions we've been talking about in the last few sessions, right? Call it the big three, health, wealth, and happiness, right? Mm-hmm. We already know the answers. The challenge is in building the habits and disciplines to do it. Well, the truth is when it comes to wealth, which is financial management, we also know the answers, Matt. But we, we have a tough time building them in because we haven't built the disciplines, right? We haven't built the habits, Right. of what it is to be effective in managing our finances. So what happens is exactly like you've just described it, people all of a sudden start to get worried. They really do. They, they're fearful. And then they start to kind of overreact and they get tight about money. And so I think it's good for us to get some perspective and to, and to answer her question is to really kind of step back for a second and say, okay, how do we really look at money? That's a good question. What well, you mentioned before about our habits, the way we look at money probably is built on the habits that we've done that we probably didn't even realize we've been doing after all these years. Absolutely, it does. And we're in a consumer economy. There's a lot of angst about that now. And of course, I think there's a lot of, you hear a lot of programs about people cutting back and leading a simpler life and letting go of baggage and, you know, reducing their expenses. And some are doing it because they absolutely are forced to, and others are doing it kind of in anticipation of not wanting to be as stretched out uh, credit-wise or otherwise as they are. Right. There's a high degree of sensitivity to it, but it really comes back to this fundamental sense of how do we in our life treat money? And we're in, as I said, a culture uh, of not only consumerism, but of incredible marketing and advertising that is constantly giving us messages about buying this, needing this, oh, wouldn't this be great, buy this special deal on this. And it's very hard in that environment, truthfully, to really get hold of financial management. So you're saying that we have so many different messages thrown at us that we sometimes don't even realize. And we just take, you know, we take that as gospel when we don't even realize it, especially when a lot of these advertisements and messages we're getting are designed to just go right into our brain and sit there and for us to believe as truth. Well, that's right. And the people who have built these messages are pros. Yeah. In other words, they've studied the psychology. They've studied this. So these are not, you know, sometimes we sort of say, oh, I can not pay attention to these ads. I never listen to them anyway. I never, right. you know, we say that to ourselves. But the truth is we're fooling ourselves because those messages are incredibly powerful and they're multimedia, you know, so they're putting on images that attract us and appeal to us. And then the message that underlies it, and there's even kind of some subliminal nature in the way it's written. Here's what it means is when you're dealing with with financial management, you have to understand that you are a warrior. You're kind of at odds with what the culture is trying to have you do. Mm -hmm. So one of the things to start with is to say, okay, play it like a game. Let's treat it like a game, like a war game or something, you know, like something where there's kind of an enemy. The enemy is that those forces that are trying to get us to, to spend money where 
where we don't really need to. Mm -hmm. And the force, which is on our side, is helping us make intelligent financial decisions. So one, play it like a game. When we wrote the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, we talked about people getting uh, getting a hold of the financial aspect of their life and building wealth. Mm -hmm. And we said, treat any expenses like an investment, particularly if it's related to your business. We're going to get to that in a second. In other words, every dollar you spend should bring some sort of return to you, uh, either a return on investment, so it's like money back to you, or a return to you because it really, really satisfies you in something that you really need. Mm -hmm. So kind of get back to that fundamental thing and hold money accountable for what it can do. I think the second element of it is understanding that in the game, you, you need to keep score. So if you really view it as a game, then starting to keep score will start to improve your performance. But what I mean by keeping score is two things. I mean, the classic one is have a budget. Mm -hmm. The second one is have a a net worth sheet. Probably the third one in that, in in between, for those of us that are in the world of business, for our business, have a P&L, have a profit and loss statement, have a monthly recording of your revenue versus your expenses so you can see where you're ahead of the game. You can look at how you're gaining on the financial field. So you've got three things you're keeping score of. One is you're keeping score of your net worth, and we'll talk about that a little more detail in a second. You're keeping track of your business budget, and then you're keeping track of your personal expense budget. Those three items allow you then to keep score and you can you can watch your progress. Probably most people out there, most Americans, most people around the world don't even consider doing anything like that. They, like you said, they just get these messages, they get the money, they go out and spend it, and then they realize they have nothing at, at the end of the month. But if they kept track of it as a game, they could probably find little tricks and tools and cheats somewhere that they can find a few extra dollars here or there. And if they keep track of that, they'll have a heck of a lot more money at the end of the month and the end of the year. Absolutely. That becomes the habit of paying attention. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing for people to understand. It's just like we said when we were talking about goal setting. Fewer than 10% of people in the world, even in the a Western, highly advanced Western culture like the United States or North America, fewer than 10% of people actually have written goals. <laughs> Wow. You know, they may have m- mental goals. It's yeah. not that they're, they don't have anything they want to do in their life. No, they're thinking about it. They have intentions. They have maybe intentions and expectations, but they haven't converted those to writing. And there's something powerful. Like, remember, there's the line of thought, word, and deed. So thoughts, when they're written down, when they become word, become more powerful. And of course, then when they're converted into action, they become most powerful. Right. So you have to write them down. So what, what we find with most people is they don't have goals. Well, here's the other thing. It's just what you said. Most most people do not have any kind of a financial budget, let alone one that they're reviewing on a consistent basis. So when you take that step, you take a very big step uh, toward managing your money. And you know what? How many, how much of our current financial state that we're in worldwide with the shifting economy, whether it's good or bad, I don't want to get into that debate, but how much better off could we be if we actually took the time, all of us around the world, and paid attention to this? How much better off could we be? Well, what happens, Matt, is that what you pay attention to improves. Here's what happens. When you start to be mindful of the money you have coming in and how you're, how you're earning it, first of all, so you become mindful about increasing your revenue, we call it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's lead with revenues, not expenses. And so you lead with, with seeing how can I generate more income 
either in the work I do, the job I do, or the business I have, or a business I could move to. So it's increasing revenue and particularly increasing revenue per amount of time we put into something. And then the second thing is uh, managing the income that we have in terms of what we spend. So when we become mindful of those two things, now we start to learn. This is the key thing about any kind of important personal skill. When you pay attention to it, you start to learn. You learn, as you said, Matt, where I can save some money, perhaps where I don't need to spend money. I can learn where I can generate some more revenue. I can learn where I can now put aside some money and invest. As we said in The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, that's the key. You're working for money, but then the other part, money should be working for you. And the only way money works for you is when you have some left over uh, or you've put it aside, maybe even ahead of time, not just left over. And that goes into something, an investment where you're now getting a return on it. So we're talking about a lot of different options that you can utilize that once you find these the extra money every single month or every single year. But to do that, like you mentioned, we have these three things. You have to have a budget. You have to have a network sheet. And you also have to have a PL statement if you're a business. Let's get into that. If For those three different items, let's start with the budget. Where do I start with that? First of all, what I would highly recommend is on page 138 of the Millionaire Real Estate Investor is a very simple, in all of our research, through the best of personal budget worksheets. And we built one that I think is the best there is. It's there and it's downloadable also from millionairesystems.com. Oh, nice. So, and that works uh, for just, personal and business. Well, this is for personal. Okay. This is more the categories of personal business because we're looking about personal financial management. Okay. Now, in business, it depends upon the business that you're in. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, we built a very, very clean and clear budget program for a real estate agent. And it probably is fairly convertible, uh, Matt, to anyone that's in a what I call a personal professional service business. Mm-hmm. So an accountant, a doctor, a financial advisor, an estate planner, a therapist, anyone who d- delivers personal services. Because a lot of those models can be really translated across the board with those professions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But also, it isn't hard for somebody, if they're in a profession or a particular type of business, to go to their trade association and find find templates or models for, you know, managing the money, the P&L in their business. Like we've talked about before, there are people that have gone before us, take advantage of that, talk to those people and, and talk to those professionals and see what information they have. All right. So number two on the list is have a net worth sheet. That's a new term, I think, to some people. What's a net worth sheet? A net worth sheet is a report that shows you what you are financially worth. So what it does is it outlines your assets those things that you have that have worth, like your house and your car and investments and those sorts of things. And it offsets against that your liabilities, that is money you owe, like your mortgage or payments on your car. What we say is it's what you own minus what you owe. Mm -hmm. And that creates your net. The, the, The difference between those two is a net and that net is your financial worth. It could be called also a, a, a personal balance sheet. Some people may not like that number they see. And honestly, that may shock a lot of people when they see that actual number. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, the first time that I did it, yeah. And I had spent a many, many years of my life. I'm, I'm a slow learner and a, a late developer. So truthfully, even though I was good at making money and I probably was modestly good at kind of not overspending, I still didn't manage my, my finances very much when I finally did a net worth sheet. It was a negative number. Uh, what was and, that like when you saw that? Well, I, it, well, first of all, it was a slap in the face, but it was a, it was a reality. Now it was a number I knew. I think it was negative 100, 150,000 or something like that. 
what I knew now was I knew because I could see the numbers on the page, I could now begin to change those numbers. Mm. In other words, I could make it improve. So yeah. it really only took me about a little over a year to get that to a positive. Wow. So once you and actually admitted to it and saw it, you were able to really just take advantage of that situation and make make it good. Yeah. Well, I started making good decisions. I yeah. started making better decisions. I started you know spending less and investing more. Here's the key thing about tracking that, that one number, Matt. It's like a game. You can watch it improve. And there's something very motivating and reinforcing about watching that number move I and grow. What's a good reason to keep an eye out of that? I picture people saying, I, I can see how I need a budget so I can make sure I have enough money for everything every month. But when it comes down to it, and I know how much my net worth is, what benefit does that have to me actually knowing that number? Is there any certain financial benefit or certain business benefit knowing that? Yeah, the bigger it is, the more secure you are. Mm. The bigger that number is, the more confidence you have. The bigger that number is, the more you have choices mm. about what you want to do. You don't feel as locked in to where you are. When my net worth got to a certain point, I knew that I could go do something else if I didn't want to stay working where I was at the time. Yeah. Why? Because I had the cushion to make that shift. So it gives a cushion in your life. And then understand, Matt, that ultimately, as you look down and you have foresight in your life, you realize there's going to be a time when either you would like to have extra money you could use to help other people or to support a cause or to send people, you know, like family members to college or like I am now being able to support my mom in her nursing home and be able to have her be in a really nice place where she has her own private room and all of that, which she wouldn't be able to afford if I wasn't able to fund it for her. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, if I didn't have some positive net worth. So it gives you a lot more choice and a lot more freedom and underneath it all, a lot more confidence. There's a lot of benefits in knowing that number just when it comes to ultimate goals and ultimate plans that you want to do. Uh, number three on this list is have a PNL statement for your business. A lot of business people get into it not knowing the financial aspects of that and may not know that term. What's a PNL statement? Well, it stands for profit and loss. It's mm -hmm. also called an income statement. Typically, it, you keep track of it monthly. And what it shows is your revenue, your income in the business for the month, mm -hmm. and then your expenses. And then, of course, what is left over is your net. And in businesses, that's called profit. That's what you want to run your business. It's not that it's the purpose. It's important. People get mixed up about this. They say, oh, I don't want to be too money-oriented. And you go, well, there was a wonderful quote from a, uh, an executive of uh, Kellogg corporation who said, profit is no more the purpose of a business than eating is the purpose of life. Mm. And the neat thing about that thought is that, yes, it's not the purpose of a business. Profit isn't. Eating isn't the purpose of life. But if you don't eat, you don't live. And if you don't make a profit, you don't have a business. Right. So even though it's not its purpose, it's its measure of its health. And so keeping track of profit is important. But it's more keeping track of the, of the money, Matt. It's easy in business to spend money. In fact, people often say it takes money to make money, which is a really bad, bad mental set. Mm. It doesn't take money. It takes vision and a plan and effort to make Ooh. money. Okay, It doesn't take money to make money. When you have money, it allows you to invest in certain elements of a business that may bring you more money. So for example, many years I've worked with real estate agents. They'll see that a big, powerful real estate agent in their in their area is taking out a full page ad in the newspaper every Friday. And they, and they go, well, wow, that's how you generate business. And so then they think about, you know, of course, when they look at what it costs for that, there's no way they can <laughs> afford it. So 
but they do something less. And of course, it doesn't bring them the return. And you go, well, why did this top agent, why did they put their money there? And the reason is because they have it. Mm. In other words, they have the money and they know that gives them a dominant position in the market that's hard for others to match. So when they go out and talk to somebody about listing their home, they say, by the way, as you probably noticed in the newspaper, I have a full page ad every uh, every week and your home will be marketed there. Other agents just can't afford that. They can't give you that kind of marketing power. So what they do is when you're king of the hill, then you can use that financial muscle to increase your position as king of the hill, but it's not how you get to be king of the hill. It doesn't take money to make money. It takes vision, planning, and effort. If you don't have money, you sure have vision. You sure can put together a plan and you sure as heck can go out and bust your butt and make an effort to go make it. Absolutely, Matt. One of the smartest things that I've found business people do is they say, how can I generate revenue without spending money? And typically that is going out and building your sphere of influence and getting in the path of business. In other words, the two things, one is making contact with people, getting to know them, get their, getting their information so you can stay in touch with them, let them know what you're doing, the service you offer, send out testimonials from other people that have worked to you, build your sphere, right? Viral marketing, they, right. you know, we call it. The second thing that you do is you get in the path of business. What does that mean? Well, that means hold open houses. Uh, that means go knock on doors and talk to people. That means be at places where people who are going to be using your service or might be using your service, might need to, are going to show up. Be in that path. Now, that doesn't cost any money. It takes time. What happens in building a business is first you spend your time at building the business, and then later you spend some money, typically not more than 10% of your revenue, on things that will attract business to you. But you don't do it the other way around. You know, that's a very good point that you made in regards to how to generate business without making money. This goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning when we're talking about all the different aspects and playing in the game, understanding the numbers in the game, keeping score. If you don't like those numbers and you need to up making money, there's the way you do it. That's the way you play in the game. So that way the numbers increase in your favor. So that way when you are keeping score, the numbers you see are a heck of a lot better and a heck of a lot nicer. One of the great things to do, Matt, because that point is so good, is that they call it zero-based budgeting. But one of the things to do is to ask yourself, what can I do to generate money that, that will not cost me money? You start to put down all those activities, all those things you could do. And by the way, in this day and age, Matt, as you know, with the internet and with email and electronic communication, and sure there's a lot of busyness out there. Sure there's a lot of kind of, we'll call it static and noise going on, but you can learn to use that and cut through it at virtually no expense or very, very little expense. Amen. There's so much out there that you can utilize for free. There are so many books out there, so many papers. Just go look at some people that are doing it out there and you can realize how much money you can make. I've said it before and I'll say it again. About 80 percent of my business comes from the internet, which I don't pay a single penny for. That's the thing uh, that people need to realize is, and, and here's one other phrase that I would have people put in their minds, because remember, we're talking, it sounds like we may be talking uh, generally, what we're talking about are timelessly true strategies for earning money and making wealth. Yeah. So it starts with that general look. If you get that game down, you can you can work on the details. One of the phrases that uh, I've incorporated is this one. 
be a shopper, not a buyer. In other words, whenever you're going to spend money, shop for value. I know people who are incredibly great shoppers. They'll go to store after store after store and they will, they'll know before they buy anything exactly what the competition is, what the prices are, what their choices are, which ones have the best features or benefits. And so when they make their purchase, it's an intelligent purchase. Some of us, more like me, sort of haven't understood the value of the shopping process. So we kind of go and they show us something and we go, oh, that's good. Boom, I'll take that. Right. Because we kind of want to get the purchase done. We're not shoppers. We're not shoppers. Uh, But you know, if you're going to be a financial manager, you're a shopper. And there's another thing shoppers do. They not only do they demand value and they do the research to compare to make sure that what they're getting is a good value. But if it turns out to have any kind of a problem with it, they demand their money back or some replacement or some upgrade. They assert themselves and make sure that they they get what they paid for. Right. To them, value is not always necessarily the dollar amount as part of the factor, but there's other factors involved in the decision. Absolutely. And it all has to do with value. So people that are good with money are always value conscious. In other words, they want value for their money and then they want a return on their investment. Which goes back to, and I think this is a great point to end on, keeping track of the numbers. When you have a budget, when you have a net worth sheet and you know what you or your business is worth, if you have a P&L statement for your business, you know what's coming in, you know what's going out, you know what that magical number is at the end of the month when you're keeping track of it. You have to have value with everything you're keeping an eye on. Keep track of those numbers. If you do that, that is the key to be able to be very successful and be able to really stay afloat with the way things are changing. It underpins everything else, Matt. It gives you the track to run on and the map to follow. Hey, Christine, I hope that was of huge help to you. There's plenty of other sources of information and we will make those available. You can always keep an eye on the website, freeenterprisewarriors.com, when we're always putting new different ideas and things up there so that way we can help you on out. And for you at Sitting at Home, if you have a question you'd like to ask Dave, we'd love to hear from you. Once a month, we do an Ask Dave segment and we may be answering your question and helping you out with your business. Dave, how do people get a hold of you? Dave at freeenterprisewarriors.com. Awesome. And you can listen to all past episodes of the show at our website, freeenterprisewarriors.com, where we have a lot of great information. Dave Jenks, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much for taking time to chat today. Thank you, Matt. We'll talk to you again this time next week with another edition of Warrior Talk. Until then, for all of us at Free Enterprise Warriors, have a great week. I'm Matt Hayes. Onward.